0: 18 to 24-year-olds make up almost 10% of the American population, but in the 2018 midterm elections, they made up only 6% of voters. Our generation wants progressive change, but only we can make it happen. We are the future. We are the next generation of voters. I'm Aiden Co Murphy, and this is the Next Generation Politics Podcast. Hello and welcome the Next Generation Politics Podcast. I'm Aiden Cohen Murphy and welcome to our August 21st episode. Today I'm joined by Isra Hirsi, the co-founder of the U.S. Youth Climate Strike and daughter of Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. Isra, do you want to tell the listeners a a little bit about yourself?
1: Hi, um, my name is Isra. I'm 17 and I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I'm known as a climate organizer, but I've been organizing um, the past three and a half years, um, from electoral politics to um, anti-SRO work, um, and, I don't know, organizing is like a really big passion of mine.
0: Well, that's so amazing. So today we will discuss the Democratic National Convention, the California Wildfires, the recent debacle surrounding the USPS, a death in the Trump family, And Apple's successes despite the general downturn in the markets. So first up, the Democratic National Convention is underway, Um, obviously mostly remote due to coronavirus, um, but Milwaukee was considered to be the host city. Um, So, so far we've heard from Bernie, Andrew Cuomo, Gretchen Whitmer, um, John Kasich, I guess, Michelle Obama, Joe Biden, Bill Clinton, Chuck Schumer, AOC, Elizabeth Warren, Nancy Pelosi, Barack Obama, Kamala Harris, Hillary Clinton, and many others. Um, so Bernie delivered a unifying policy-based speech, Michelle Obama delivered a very frank and honest speech about the danger that Trump poses to our country. Um, the former First Lady really is an incredible speaker in my opinion, but the best speech of the night um, came from Kristen Arquiza, the daughter of an Arizona man who supported and trusted Trump, but because of Trump's constant downplaying of the virus, Kristen's father didn't take the virus seriously, and when the lockdown was lifted, He went out to a karaoke bar and got the coronavirus and after five days on a ventilator he died alone. Kristen then delivered the best line of the night and maybe of the convention. His only pre-existing condition was trusting Donald Trump and for that he paid with his life. Um, Dr. Jill Biden delivered her speech from room 232 of of the high school in Wilmington, Delaware where she taught English. Um, Her speech focused on Trump's failure to protect schools and Joe Biden's experience with dealing with loss. Um, Hillary Clinton also spoke last night, and her most notable line from the speech was that November can't be another woulda, coulda, shoulda election. Israel.
1: On Wednesday evening, Barack Obama spoke and delivered a rather cutting review of Trump, considered by many to be the harshest attack any former president has made of an incumbent. Harris wrapped up Wednesday evening with her vice presidential acceptance speech in which she discussed structural racism, healthcare policy, and her role in the history of US politics as a black woman. On Thursday night, expect to hear from many of Biden's former primary opponents and vice presidential finalists. And then of course, at the end of the night, Joe will deliver his acceptance speech.
0: Um, Did you watch any of the DNC?
1: No, I didn't.
0: Out of? um... Out of like protest or just con- or not convenience?
1: I mean, yeah, I was kind of busy, but also at the same time, I felt like too much energy. I feel like, I don't know, wasn't really something that I was like super interested in watching.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so a next piece of news, California Governor Gavin Newsom declared a state of emergency due to the wildfires. Um, the fires were caused by over 11,000 lightning strikes and over 320,000 acres of land has been burned and air quality is deteriorating. Um, people living in at-risk areas are being evacuated, and California has experienced an increase in these types of fires in recent years, which speaks to the gravity of climate change. Um, National Geographic published an article titled, Climate Change is, is Contributing to California's Fires that Explores the Relationship Between Changing Environmental Conditions and Wildfires.
1: The Postmaster General Lewis DeJoy has agreed to testify before the House Oversight Committee. This comes in growing concern over the Postal Service's ability to properly receive and count the votes that will be cast by mail in the upcoming election. DeJoy was a major Trump donor and has very little experience with mail. In fact, his main connection to USPS is that he owns millions of dollars of stocks in companies that that compete with USPS.
0: Um, But that's not even the controversy that DeJoy is facing right now. Um, He's made a series of wide-scale troubling changes since assuming the position in June, such as eliminating employee overtime, reducing the number of mail sorting machines from post offices around the country, and literally removing mailboxes and throwing postal service leadership into chaos. Um, These changes sparked fears of voter suppression and on August 14th, the USPS sent letters to 46 states in Washington, DC, warning that it cannot guarantee that all ballots cast by mail will arrive in time to be counted. Um, and the craziest part of the saga is that on August 13th, Trump appeared on Fox News um, and admitted that he was blocking funding to the USPS to stop mail-in voting. And I think he forgot that he's not supposed that he's not supposed to say that part out loud. Finally, on Tuesday, Louis DeJoy promised um, to delay some changes until after the 2020 election. Who knows if that's true, And but we'll hear more from about that um, on Monday, August 24th, when DeJoy testifies in front of the House Oversight and Reform Committee. Do you have any reactions to that?
1: I think it's just kind of insane. Like, I just, this whole thing about voting, it's like people don't even know what to do um, with their ballots and the information for where to drop off your ballot is like, not very like widespread. So I just, I feel like it's just not gonna go out well and we're probably gonna have like, one of the lowest voter turnouts we've ever had.
0: Mm-hmm. And I feel like, obviously the US by no means has ever been a, a real democratic republic, but we don't often see such clear like authoritarian steps to like i i don't know it it seems like he's not supposed to like admit that he's doing that and he's not supposed to suggest delaying the election i I don't know i know we've had our problems in the past but it's weird to see just like them shown before us like by the president's own admission
1: yeah he's just like admitting to fascism it's insane yeah which uh is
0: not fun okay speaking of donald trump
1: On Saturday of last week, Donald Trump's younger brother, Robert, passed away. We don't know the cause of death yet, but we know that Robert had been sick for several months prior. There is speculation as to whether or not the cause of death could be genetic, could potentially be genetic and that the president could be at risk. This is not confirmed.
0: Um, and news from Apple. On Wednesday, tech giant Apple became the first company to hit a market cap or total market value of $2 trillion. It is the first U.S. company to reach that amount. Um, But in August of 2018, Apple became the first company to hit a market cap of $1 trillion, meaning that it took the company a mere two years to double in value.
1: While many companies have fallen on hard times or gone out of business as a result of the pandemic, Apple stocks are up 60% year to date. It's nice to know that even if unemployment is the highest, it's been since the Great Depression and a record of Americans are struggling to put food on the table, At least the rich are getting richer. Yep.
0: (sighs) Any reaction to that?
1: It's honestly just like wild to me. Um, I mean, I'm not like surprised um, because, you know, this country is just like built like that Um, and it just like really shows where uh, the interests are and how much companies like Apple um, kind of control us um, and how they're like such a big dominant figure and whatever they want, like could honestly happen.
0: It's weird. How do you think we should, um we should, we're, like, I mean, I know it's it's hard given that so much of Congress is in the tech lobby, but um, but what steps do you think that we as a country need to take to try to curb that?
1: I honestly don't know. I think that there's like a really big problem. Like, I think it just like, we need like a really dramatic shift, um, one in Congress, but just like in all levels of government. I think that the way in which we're such a, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, there's no way you can just like, create something which doesn't allow companies to grow that fast or to have that much money. I think it's just like, we're kind of doomed for what Congress looks like and it takes such a long time to do things like, um, you know, flip the house, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well you flip the house, like what do you do with, like how do you get more progressives in office? Um, And so it's like, I just don't know if it's even realistic for anything to happen in the first place.
0: Yeah, that's certainly not, it's really not hopeful, but no, it's definitely the case. Um, so a question, moving back to the DNC and about Kamala. Um, first off, were, I'm, I i think I probably know the answer. Were you happy about, about Kamala being chosen for VP? And if not, who are you rooting for?
1: I mean, I, I think that obviously it's realistic. I like There was no way he was going to choose somebody who was more progressive. Um, I kind of knew that and I kind of knew that Kamala would be the pick. Um, she's not my favorite person in the entire world, um, but I knew that it was going to end up happening. So. I didn't really have anybody else in mind. I don't think there would have been a perfect VP pick in my mind.
0: Um, what role do you think that identity politics should play in politics? Because I know that like that Kamala emphasizes, um, well, last, last night in her speech, she was talking about how she was the the first um, Black woman to, to get to that position. Um, but, and then I know there's also like a, a response from the left. and uh, A response from the left saying that, identity should play no role in politics. And I was wondering how you feel about that.
1: I think that identity can play some role. I think that representation is a good thing. Um, But at the same time, it's like identity, your identity should not be like a, like voting factor for people. It should not be the only thing about you. And I think that like kind of like Barack, like one of the big things about him was like, he would be the first black president. Um, And so it's like, that's kind of all that I remember when he was getting elected and I was like five um and it was just like a really big thing for a lot of people um that's a good thing in the idea of representation but at the same time it's like his race shouldn't be like the reason why i like him more or mm-hmm. why I support like him more because barack obama was just like any of the other democratic presidents it's not like just because he was black doesn't mean that he was any better or yeah greater and i think that goes with kamala too
0: i totally agree because i feel like what does kind of annoy me is that like for for a lot of people on the left who are saying that like identity shouldn't even like be we shouldn't even like we shouldn't be thinking about it at all um when it comes to politics what's what annoys me a little bit is that most of the people who are who are saying that are like I mean and I recognize men privilege but also they are they're white men um and I think what's rough there is that it's easy to think that representation isn't important if you've grown up seeing people like you in positions of power.
1: Yeah, I guess, but like at the same time, it's like recognizing that like, just because I see somebody like in power who is of my race or one of my identities doesn't necessarily mean that they're a good thing. Cause it's like, um, what's like somebody once said that like um, the presidency is a tool of white supremacy. So regardless of who is in that space, um, you're still going to be upholding that system. So just the fact that Barack was black doesn't necessarily change anything. Just because we have black and brown people or LGBTQ plus people or trans people in Congress, doesn't necessarily mean that you know things change or that people are more accepted. Um, and I think that that's something that like, like, I don't know, it's like you have like a travel ban, but you have like three people, like Muslim people in Congress, it doesn't, it does, nothing like explicitly changes in reality. They just become targets, and that's what
0: kind mm. of that. yeah, I agree. But to push back a little bit, I remember when when Pete just started running for president, like when he announced, and of course he he made a significant moderate turn, and I think he started out more progressive. Um, but regardless of his policies, I'm to the left of him. But um, I remember like seeing him. I, I'm gay, and I remember seeing him on TV and feeling, a like. I, I don't know, some sort of like I don't know, not inspired, but like it's just I don't know, it's just it was nice to see like a presidential candidate kiss his husband on the lips at a campaign event and like win Iowa, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, that's that's like super valid. I like a hundred percent get that. Um, but it's also like, is he really that good of a representation?
0: Definitely a fair question.
1: And like, is Kamala Harris really amazing representation for the black and uh, brown communities? I don't know. I think that they're like, there's no idea, there's like no perfect representation. Like Barack Obama, like, yeah, he did some cool things, but he also did some really bad ones. Um, And I don't know if he's like the best example or the best representation for black people. Um, And so it's like, it's just, it gets more frustrating knowing somebody like you in your own community is doing things that are harmful. I feel like
0: yeah that's definitely the case I, I, haven't, I haven't thought of it like that that's definitely a good point I know that you've talked to like a lot about not idolizing politicians we talk a little bit more about that
1: yes um one of my biggest frustrations with like teens on TikTok is their obsession with like AOC or teens on Twitter with their obsession with Edamarkey. um it's I,
0: I'm gonna be honest for a sec I'm a campaign fellow for Ed Markey and I feel that a little bit to be a little bit there
1: yeah, all, like, literally all of my Twitter mutuals are, like, really big, like, um, like, am half of them are, like, Ed Markey fellows, and they're obsessed with him, and they tweet about him all the time, and I'm just like, this is just wrong, because it's like, what if, like, AOC does something that people don't like, which she has messed up before, that's just inevitable, um, but people, like, blindly support her and don't allow criticism, um, but also, it's like, these politicians are not supposed to be celebrities, Um, they're not supposed to be on your t-shirts, they're not supposed to be um, people who you obsess over, they're supposed to represent you. Um, And so giving them a celebrity status allows for them to get away with so many other things, Mm -hmm. but also it's like it puts them at a different caliber, they're not doing their job correctly. Like even with like my mom, like it makes me so uncomfortable when like I see people who like are obsessed with her, like I saw her face on a mug once and I'm like this is just not okay, like this is just weird. And it's, like, politicians are supposed to serve the people, not be obsessed over.
0: That's definitely a good point. Um, do you think that... Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a good point. Because I think that, as as you said, like, there are so many people who young people idolize um, and... Do you think that we can, we can look up to politicians, but still try to call them out for their flaws?
1: Yeah, I think there's a difference between looking up to a politician and being obsessed with them. Um, for example, I see TikToks all the time talking about like being a for AOC or like an AOC stan. Like, are- me, like, I like her, like she's great, you know, like she's super nice. Um, and like, I was like that with Bernie, like I look up to them or like I did at least, um, but I'm not going to go around to make fan cams like talk about them constantly revolve my entire political persona around them um, but also constantly talk about them because then you can never hold them accountable, and they're too perfect in your eyes and there is no such thing as a perfect politician
0: you said that you that you did look up to Bernie do you not look up to him up to, up to him now
1: I mean I do I just think that i I just like see more of his like flaws a lot more if that makes sense. I think that like during the presidential um like while his whole campaign, I think that I did do the thing where like, I was kind of just ignoring um, everything that he like did wrong or could have done better or all of that, I guess. Um, And I feel like there's something that he could have done a lot better, um, but also at the same time, I kind of like had this like thought that he would like in a way like save us. And that's just like not true. Um, You know, Biden won't do that. Bernie won't do that. It's just not how it works. And if he got into office, um, the chances are he probably wouldn't even like be able to keep up with every single one of his progressive policies. Um, so I guess it was just like me realizing that I should be a little bit more realistic about the people who I um, support and I like look up to. Um, I'm just a lot more critical of American politicians now, mm-hmm.
0: which I think is always a good thing um to be critical. Um, so how I mean, so how I mean, I'm sure you've gotten this question so many times. Um, but how has being like the daughter of like a very progressive member of Congress, how has that shaped your, your political experience? Because I know you were involved in politics before that, but did it change?
1: Yeah, um, I guess like even before my mom got into Congress, she was in the State House. Um, so like kind of just like been my entire, I guess, like teenage life. Um, and it made me extremely critical of Congress. Um, like I absolutely like I spent two weeks in Congress last summer um, and I followed her and I did everything she did. Um, And it made me very, uh, I guess, like, I want to run for office at one point, um, but after going and spending time in Congress, I absolutely do not want to. Um, It just, like, really showed me how, like, little these Congress people care, um, how childish they all act. Like, it's just all a game to them, and it just made me really uncomfortable. Um, But it also just, like, has given me such a, like, better insight of, like, how this country is run, um, because I, like... I don't know, like I've learned, I learned so much and now that I know so much, I'm just very, very critical. Um, but also, yeah, I guess like my mom being in Congress has definitely pushed me way more to the left, um, which is kind of funny, um, so yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. So I have a question about, I consider myself to be very progressive um, and there's, a, I know there's a debate within the progressive movement about who to primary and she's like, should we primary candidates in swing districts or swing states? Because who knows if, if like someone who's supporting Medicare for all could, could win in West Virginia, like stuff like that. How do you, how do you feel about that?
1: I think that like, honestly, I think the way in which you think about politics is kind of, I, I think it's like, honestly, like, as long as you deliver, um, like the way in which you deliver your policies, depending on the community, I feel like can make or break it. Like, not calling it Medicare for all, but calling it like, oh, like you'll be able to get your insulin, right? It's like making things personal. I feel like these policies that, you know, people like Bernie and AOC and the rest of the squad talk about are totally feasible to win in very rural and um, very moderate districts. Um, I think we just have to like completely reimagine it and also just like be very, very strategic about how we do things. Um, I think that people who run... Um, third party and socialist are not gonna win um, and that's because it's scary um, and it's just not realistic I don't know if you know about Joshua Collins but he's a great yeah
0: w- w- was he in Seattle or was Washington
1: Tacoma area yeah yeah wow. and like, he's a great example of like a failure <laughs> because he ran third party and socialist
0: so are you like cautioning people against voting third party this election or are you supporting Biden
1: um, I honestly, I'm kind of like in between. I think that, I mean, like, if you would like to vote, I understand voting. I, I can't, but, um, Neither. Yeah, I don't think, um, voting third party really does anything. But like, if you're in like very safe, like blue state in like California, or like Vermont, I don't think it matters if you vote third party, like at all. Um, but I'm in like a, I don't know, Minnesota's like an in-between so, like, right? state type situation. Um, so if I were voting, I would definitely probably vote for Biden just because. Um, I think that just makes sense. Um, but I understand why people don't vote and why people don't believe in the system. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, takes from leftists recently on Twitter about how like they're like super like they're taking this in like a very like nihilistic sense in which like voting doesn't do anything, like you're just feeding into the system. So like I understand both sides. So like I'm in between. So like I'm unsure. You think the sixteen-year-old
0: 16 should be should be able to vote?
1: I think yes. Uh, I think it just makes sense, especially in school board elections. Um, I don't understand why uh, my parents are voting for people who like do things that directly impacts me. It just mm-hmm. never made sense to me. And I also think like, in local politics, like local like races, because that's just like the bare minimum.
0: In DC, we were um where I live, we were, we were it was seven to six no for, um, for 16, years, 16 year olds being able to vote. But the worst part is that seven people had co-sponsored the bill originally. So we all thought it was gonna pass. Um, I heard about and them. it was kind of heartbreaking.
1: My friend um, helped run that campaign, the vote 16 DC. Yeah, it was
0: 16, that's great. Um, so it was kind of not, not fun when it didn't pass. Um, yeah, so do you have any advice for, um, for young people who wanna get involved in politics?
1: Um, Yeah, I guess like one thing is um, be very cautious, Um, this is very, I don't know, I feel like being aware is very sad and frustrating because you know too much and everything hurts. Um, But I guess like being sure of yourself um, and trusting your gut, um, especially when it comes to you support and things like that, but also like take it very easy. Um, And a lot of the work you're going to do is going to be free labor. guess, you know, prepare yourself.
0: And last question. So what has been the hardest part of like getting involved in politics, um, and, and just grassroots organizing for you? What has been the most challenging part?
1: Um, I guess people like not taking me seriously or people talking over me, um, or people like demeaning me or degrading me. Uh, I've gotten a lot of like backhanded compliments or like comments about how aggressive I am or like, I'm too sassy, like really stupid microaggressions. Um, I got started when I was like 13 or 14 so too. Nobody took me seriously. Like I was like a joke um, and a lot of backlash from like school. Um, this like whole idea of like trying to organize in a school that's like pretty apolitical is really like annoying because I was just seen as this like, like, I don't know, they like PC police type character um, since I was like a kid. And so like, that's just like, one like been a pretty big challenge. Mm-hmm.
0: That is really frustrating. Um, and last thing, so I mean, obviously, I know you're you're, um, you're a climate activist. Do you think that climate change is the most pressing issue facing our country? And if you like, I know this is an insane hypothetical, but if like if there was one piece of legislation that you could just like pass without uh, without actually having to figure it out or it being politically feasible, what would it be? Hmm.
1: I have like a few in mind. Uh, well, like I feel like the easy answer is the Green New Deal, um, but I feel like next to that would probably be like Medicare for all, um, just because I feel like um, with climate comes you know healthcare, and it's super important. So many people are like impacted by uh, climate disasters, um, by air quality, by water quality, um, due to climate change, and I think that having access to healthcare is like super important, especially in like like imagine the air that people are breathing in california right now like they deserve healthcare um and so that's like definitely something i think that's i think that just as
0: you said it shows that every every issue is intertwined and so progressive change on one issue will affect other issues so um do you have any any final messages before we go i don't think so okay well thank you so much for being on the podcast and before we go I just want to thank our producer, Ari Cohn, our director, Sydney Gift, our PA, Caleb Murphy, our writers, Daniel Wilk and Audrey Taylor, our editor, Sarah Via, and the huge group of supporters that it took to make this podcast possible. We are 74 days from election day. I'm Aidan Cohen Murphy, and this was the next generation of this podcast.